January 14th, which means it's a Friday, which means all bets are off on what will be said today on the show. It's work from home Fridays, Kipper. Does that mean you eat little Buddhas while you work? Little Buddhas have already kicked in every Friday. <laughs> Lunch Buddhas. 12, 12.30 p.m. somewhere. Yeah. Every day. We got Sam McKee producing. We got Dylan Brown. Uh, a lot to get into, including the Toronto Maple Leafs getting ready for the St. Louis Blues. Jamie Rivers, former NHLer, co-host of the Fast Lane on ESPN 101 in St. Louis. He's going to help us prep that big game. Also, Friday means Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM. God, I can't wait to hear what he says about Evander Kane. We still want to get into maybe, uh, you know, his era is Bob Clark. So still residual <laughs> effects of his comments on Ron Hextall. Uh, there's Jack Campbell. There's a ton to get into him. And then are we going to wrap up with some tweets, Sammy, today? Some texts, yep. And Bunkus. Some texts, tweet, tweet yep. texts. Get them in. Right. Everybody get them in early so that you get lined up. But we're going to be doing texts in the last segment of the show, as we do every Friday. So text them in, baby. 595.90. Hot takes. What do you think of the show? How great you think Kipper is? Everything. You know. And uh, JD as well from the morning show, Bunkus. And he has some crazy takes. And most of them he can get away with on his morning show because – most of the world's half asleep anyway, so who's really paying attention? But then he tries to come on this show and and pull them off. And what was Kevin Costner's famous line in Bull Durham? You're not getting that cheese past me. <laughs> we got Doug McLean and J.D. Bunkus on the show today. Like we're, We got the high heat coming in on a Friday. So as I'm watching, and we all know in in, in Ontario, um, you know, when it comes to regional games, uh, it's Sportsnet and TSN that cover the games. So the last game was done by TSN. And the parting shots, I think, or, you know, the throwaway from the host, uh, James Duthie, was, and Saturday the Leafs will, for the first time, have their full lineup in the game. <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself, oh, you just, you just kabookied the whole thing. There's just not a chance right now. (laughs) Why did you even have to go there, James Duthie? Like, (laughs) it's not happening now. And sure enough, Sammy, what did we hear today about the Leaf lineup? We got three more guys and headed to the protocols. We got Hall, Justin Hall going in. We got Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha all heading to the COVID-19 I was starting to get protocol. some tough bounces lately, yeah. So they'll be without those guys. Those are they can manage without those guys, I guess. But you know, it's just it's another game that you're going into where you're excited for a real test against a real team and with your full lineup and uh, the Duffy curse, bingo bango, they got three guys out of the lineup. So uh, I think the last two guys now, according to multiple Leafs beat writers who did the work as opposed to me on a Friday, you know. They said that the last two guys that have not been in the protocol over this last stretch are Michael Bunting and Austin Matthews. So uh, those guys are walking the tightrope. I know Matthews had COVID early on, so maybe he's got a bit of the, the anti-bonding going against it, even though 
multiple people have got it uh, twice, but maybe that's going for him. So yeah, Matthews and Bunting are the only two guys that have not been entered in during this stretch. Which which really is a shame because I I love this week for the least because we see some some deeper teams, and mm-hmm. right now, guys, I know we we last week last week or earlier in the week we talked about. Uh, tearing certain teams and I love St. Louis Blues right now. You do. And I've got them as a top tier team and I think it's starting to round out a little bit whether or not Doug Armstrong general manager tweaks this lineup or, or not uh by the trade deadline. I I think they've got the pieces in place where they could be looking at another serious Stanley Cup run. It would have been nice to see the Leafs against that tomorrow night. Yeah, and you know it's we'll still learn something. Still got a good hockey. I'm still excited about it. But but there is a sense with this Leafs team that you know they they kind of need everyone. They seem like a really dangerous team when they have the whole kit and caboodle, and they just can't quite put it together. You know these names are not crippling names, Kasha Hall and Richie, but they're they're names again and good good depth pieces. So looking at the lineup today, they will have Bunting, Matthews, and Marner back. They will have Kerfoot, Tavares, and Nylander. So that's kind of it right now when they have those guys that's pretty close to their their top guys but even with their their depth guys out still looks pretty good man mckayev camp and engvall in the third line clifford with spezza and simmons on the on the fourth so they're, they're bringing a pretty good team into st louis kipper so expectations can still be pretty high for them and the game and the good news is jack campbell's going back in that right so uh the only thing Rams I, I is getting the nod after keith's comments <laughs> Yeah. You don't ever see him playing back to back, do you? Anytime soon? No. JB? No. Not a sniff. So, yeah, Campbell will go back, and that's good. And uh, you know what else, too, Kipper, going into this game? The boys on the ice today, bagger. Bagger at the end of practice, down and backs. And he set that up, right? We, yeah. we knew Sheldon set himself up or, or set the team up. Uh, no big surprise. So they got their golf in yesterday before traveling. And maybe it's uh maybe overall, it's not a bad thing to lose uh, Arizona or a, at least kind of bring them down to earth a little bit here and a, a reset and perhaps even losing to St. Louis tomorrow night. And are they, are they are they primed now for a little lull here, Sammy? Are they looking like a team that will can't possibly go through eighty two games looking like uh, world beaters here? It, maybe maybe it's just a an area right now where there's a little a little bit of a weakness in in maybe their 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 physical or mental state here. Yeah, and I think we need it needs to be said that they've been absolutely smoking hot since that bad start in October. I mean, what have they been like twenty and five or twenty and four since that start in October? So it's hard to sustain that stretch over a longer period of time. And I think they I think they were sort of due for a, a stretch here that a little bit of a um uh, you know, a little dull stretch where they where they lose a few games and they play against some better teams, they're on the road. They weren't gonna play at that clip all year, so uh I think this is kind of starting here, and we'll see against – they could prove us wrong with a win against St. Louis, but I think there's something to that. I'm kind of feeling that from the team right now with the lack of energy, keep talking about it. I know you are, Kipper. What about you, Borden? Are you kind of feeling that at the moment? 
I am. It does feel like whatever reason, like they're set up to go through some bad run here. But just because you're playing good teams and you're on the road doesn't mean you can't go in there and get points. Like there are three points through three games in this road trip. If they come out of these six, seven games, uh, you know, with I don't know, seven, eight points, uh, all teams go through this. You're not going to win every night when you're not, you know, the what was the, the 2019 uh, Lightning? Was that the best regular season team ever? You know, most teams yeah. are going to have stretches where you run into, you know, uh, going a point per game against good teams. So right now, these are good tests. I, I'm not too worried about the, the wins and losses. I, I really am focusing on process here through these games. How do they look? How do they stack up? You know, we know they didn't hang on to leads for the first couple games. You know, can they come back and bring good efforts against what Kipper has as the world's greatest team in the Blues? Yesterday, we heard the National Hockey League uh, announce their full uh, rosters when it comes to their NHL uh, All-Star Weekend, uh, and we will we'll get into this a little bit uh, later on in the show and debate and talk about who's there, who's not there, and, and where the league in general is going with this NHL All-Star Weekend. But for now, uh, let's just focus on, on, on the Leafs side of it. Uh, we know... Austin Matthews, one of the captains there, no surprise. Uh, but the story of, of Jack Campbell and the rise of Jack Campbell and now going to his first NHL All-Star game and where we saw this 12 months ago and you know, set aside what we think about this thing, a hell of a story about Jack Campbell. It is. I mean, this is this is no uh, no small potatoes for a guy who's drafted so high and you know went through the ringer. You know, looking back at the trade that brought him to Toronto, I one one of Kyle Dubas's all time wins, right? Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford came here uh, for Trevor Moore, a third round pick, uh, and then was it? A, it was another third round pick the year after that. So, you know, nothing has come of that yet that's been overly impactful. And here are these two guys. Clifford still being here is kind of funnier here in a different way. But Campbell being a Vesna frontrunner, like his value now, he was a backup making a million bucks basically, you know. And now he's – we're talking about what this contract's going to be worth. Well, what a turnaround for him since he's been here. You have, ahead, you have to give Dubas uh, – you got to give Dubas a ton of credit. And, like, we, we can talk about him – maybe low-balling him early in the year, however the contract negotiations have gone. And I saw Kipper's tweet about a number there that we're probably going to get into here shortly. But I just really, really have to give the guy a ton of credit. Like, he obviously knew Jack Campbell. He had him in he had him in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. He made a massive trade for him in Sault Ste. Marie. He identified that he was sort of a depressed asset playing behind Jonathan Quick in L.A., made a great trade for him, and kind of eased him in when, when Freddie Anderson was hurt last year. And he's turned into a bona fide number one starter in the NHL. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a thing where he kind of falls off a cliff. He's never. I don't think he's going to stay at this level. He'll obviously have his lulls throughout the season. But I think we all know that he is a number one guy in the NHL now. And he's going to have to be paid like it. So I'll throw it to you, Kipper, on that. But it just really feels like this was an amazing job by Dubas, who I don't love to always give a ton of credit by identifying a guy and bringing him here. It's not even close in terms of, you know, what his best move has been uh, since becoming the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is this is his home run here. And I, I don't even know where you begin to say which one's second best. Yeah. Helps that he's and, such a great guy too, right? Well, it, it, all, all the pieces are there. Um, and, you know, as Sam has alluded to, I, I did – I did uh, send out a tweet uh, just right at the start of the show that the price of poker is not going down. 
uh, with, with Jack Campbell here. And where does it start? And from all indications, guys, it's north of $6 million. The thing, and, and you know, it, it's fine for, for Leaf fans out there or anyone else to say, don't worry about it now. Uh, he Take care of it in the summer, which may, uh, may very well happen. The problem here is the price of poker does indeed go up. Like whatever you thought at the beginning of the year that you you tried to avoid, and the Leafs did try to avoid earlier in the year going into that $5 million range for Jack Campbell, has now become six. Boys, there's a it's, point here where you can't do it. You just have it's to. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's something jumped a million dollars since the beginning of the year where you thought you might have to overpay at five has now gone to an all-star selection, Vesna, serious Vesna consideration, and some numbers that you got to go far back in Maple Leaf history to compare them to. Like this is this is heading into a heap of trouble on the financial cap of the Toronto Maple Leafs when you might think six million dollars a year might be a discount. <laughs> That's my answer, Kipper. That's, I just don't think you could do it. Like I not that I don't think he's worth that. Just looking at the, the their salary cap situation and what you'd have to do to to make it happen. Now you're looking at moving out of premier. Guy. What are you, we're, we're what gonna, are you gonna do? We'll, we'll, we'll pick the... up on this conversation, Sammy. Let's. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, let's, we, we got Jamie Rivers. You gotta Rivers. do it. You gotta yeah, do it. We'll we'll pick up on this conversation, but let's go to uh, Jamie Rivers, uh, former NHLer, uh, close to 500 games, doing a terrific job now, co-hosting the Fast Lane on ESPN in St. Louis. Uh, Jamie, uh, it's funny. Uh, Prior to Bennington, you know, a lot of questions about the goaltending in that there and then signing Bennington and, and getting him into a number. And although he came off a of Stanley Cup, there are still some people questioning whether or not this guy was worth $6 million a year. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's Kipper. It's, it's really kind of funny because, you know, the, the city of St. Louis has been starving for a number one goaltender since the likes of Grant Fuhr way back when. And, hey, your old buddy, Grant Fuhr, Kipper. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for be- opening up that wound there, Jamie. Yeah, never mind. You opened up one that year on us, so <laughs> screw you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, uh, you know, you finally get a guy like Jordan Bennington who took the long road to get to where he is right now and brought a Stanley Cup to the city. And I still feel, like you said, that there's people out there that are kind of doubting Jordan Bennington and then kind of question marks around the, the $6 million. I think it's money well spent. I really do. And yeah, he's got some ups and downs and, you know, maybe his goals against or save percentage isn't where it needs to be. But if there's a big game that's coming up and I need a goalie that's going to perform at a high level, that's not, the stage is never going to be too big for him. Jordan Bennington is my guy. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that, his name was being bounced around for the Canadian Olympic team as well as one of the goalies that was in the running to possibly being selected. You don't get there by accident. No. And you know, he probably was going to get selected. You're right. He's like one of those guys. He's uh he's a fascinating dude. And I actually, I wanted to ask you about the local market there and the feel for, 
Bennington love, like just being here in Toronto and watching the Blues and seeing the way Bennington uh, comports himself, like he is confident, he goes at guys. I can't help but sit here and think like, man, that guy makes me mental. He makes me mental, but is he beloved by the hometown fans? For the most part, I think people love him here. And look, I love the intensity that he brings to the games. I love every now and then when he flies off the rails and looks like Eddie Belfour skating around out there trying to tune somebody in. I I love it, but it has to be in moderation too. And that's where I think people get a little skeptical is sometimes it happens too frequently. And I know Craig Berube uh, is also a fan of the intensity. Heck, Chief played with Ron Hextall, who we all know that backstory. Hex, he's a little little bit wild uh, back in his day. Mm -hmm. And so... Chief doesn't mind a goalie that's got, you know, a little bit of an attitude at times, but he also says, look, you know, Jordan Pennington has to stay focused as well. He can't be, he can't be the enforcer out there. He can't be the energy guy that the team needs at times, all the time. He needs to just stop pucks. And every now and then, if he has a moment, then you know what? You chalk that up to a character guy or a guy that cares. But yeah, I think there is a fine line from where you go from being a productive to being a distraction. And I think that Jordan Bennington is still figuring that out. I I, I look at this team and I know Craig Bruby spoke today that uh, not sure whether or not they'll, they'll, uh, they'll get enough guys uh, for, for a better look of, of a roster with COVID still in play here with guys like Tarasenko, but they're humming right now, aren't they? Yeah, it's crazy. And Kipper, can you imagine showing up to the rink every day as Craig Bruby? and not knowing, like, who the heck is actually going to be available for you. Like, we have, we talked to Chief weekly uh, on the fast lane here in St. Louis, and, you know, it's one of the questions I asked him, like, how do you adjust to that? Because coaching is all about preparation and, in fact, probably being overprepared. And here you are completely contradicting that methodology with, yeah, you show up and whoever's available, we plug together a lineup, and it's been working. I mean, the Blues, if you look at their record, and I know you guys have, there's no way they should be at the top of the Central Division. At one point, they had eight or nine guys from the Springfield Thunderbirds in the lineup. Heck, they had Charlie Lindgren, who went 5-0 and for them as a <laughs> goaltender. He wasn't even on the radar in training camp. And so it's been amazing to see you know, what Doug Armstrong and his staff have done to create that depth. And then for Craig Berube to you know, put those guys together and keep everybody on the same page. And I think a lot of credit, and Kipper, you know this too, it goes to the guys in the locker room, the leadership group, the O'Reilly's, the Perrons, the Braden Shins, the guys who are there to keep this thing glued together because it would be easy to be woe is me and oh, but we've got really bad luck and just sort of pack it in. So they uh, more or less fully loaded for the Leafs tomorrow night. As I, I saw that Bruby's quotes that some guys are, are looking to come back and just not sure about testing exactly. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what the heck we've yeah. got going on. Buchnevich was put into COVID protocol today. So it's like a daily, it's like the bingo card every day. You wake up and you see which player is going to be in, going to be out. And hopefully Tarasenko and Perunovic are available tomorrow. To my knowledge, they're healthy and ready to go. I think they either haven't tested out of protocol yet or they haven't reached the uh, the amount of days, the maximum amount of days that they're supposed to be in there. Uh, it changes all the time. So I, I'm not really sure. I know that they're expecting to get those two guys back. I do know that for sure Buchnevich is out uh, and then kind of go from there, I guess. And if they have to, they'll patch it together with Dakota Joshua, who they just recalled from Springfield. 
uh, to put him in the lineup, and, and he'll get in there and get a chance again. That, that Bushnevich, uh, I, I thought the Rangers gave him away. I, I, that pickup I really liked a lot. Uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, to me, still has not hit all cylinders here, and it looks like he's, he's looking a lot better. But, you know, here's a guy I think that suffered COVID and may, probably had a bigger effect than it, it has on other guys. But they're still not pumping on all cylinders here. There's still a lot of... Uh, a lot of growth on 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 certain players and Tarasenko, he's made a nice comeback too, Jamie. Yeah, he has. Uh, look, Vladimir Tarasenko could have been the ultimate distraction had he not, you know, decided to show up and play hockey as well as he had, or try as hard, or you know, just be that guy. Because a disgruntled player, whether you know this too, Kipper, whether you want to believe it or not, it does. It becomes a distraction at some point. And it hasn't been that way. It's been a pleasant distraction from the side of Tarasenko has been one of your top offensive players. And you know what? You're absolutely right about Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Braden Shen. These guys just haven't even had the chance to, to hit their stride yet this year. But along with that, the emergence of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, who are electric players in the NHL. I mean, they're guys that you scooch up in, the, in your seat to watch every time they're on the ice. And then Pavel Buchnevich, yeah, that's another Doug, Arm, Doug Armstrong steal. And I know the Rangers were up against the cap, and they were looking to wiggle around a little bit. And they, they brought in Sammy Blay, who was playing very well for them before he blew out his ACL. But I don't think anybody saw this version of Pavel Buchnevich coming. I think everybody thought, you know, he's a 20-goal scorer, which is very valuable in the NHL. Maybe he's a third-line guy, plug him in there, but he's been way more than that. Heck, he's been every bit as effective as Ryan O'Reilly has been this year. And I think in the long run, guys, I think that's going to make a huge difference for the Blues because they don't have to lean on Ryan O'Reilly every night to play 22, 23 minutes. Heck, Robert Thomas has, in the last three, three of the last four games, he's been the top ice getter for the Blues. And the other night, it was Pavel Buchnevich. So Ryan O'Reilly gets a little bit of a breather, and going down the stretch and into playoff time, we all know he's going to be leaned down the most for the St. Louis Blues, especially up front. But it'll be nice to know that he's got a little gas in the tank. Just want to touch a little bit on, on Tarasenko because you're right. Uh, he has been a distraction at certain times in his career in, in St. Louis. And whether or not he feels like he's, he hasn't been given the respect that he deserves, the ice time... Uh, not being the captain was a big thing I heard when it came to Tarasenko. But the one thing I think that, that humbled them the most was this offseason when nobody wanted him. They couldn't trade him away. And, and maybe that's just a little bit of what he needed to maybe just regroup here besides getting his shoulder healthy. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a wake-up call. And look, you, we all know now in the hockey world with the salary cap situation that uh, there was probably a lot of factors that went into teams either bidding for Vladimir Tarasenko or taking a pass. Now, the other half of that, probably people who said, man, this guy comes with some baggage. You know, we thought it was Rosie in St. Louis, and now he comes out saying that he's unhappy with the medical staff. He hasn't been happy with his role on the team. Now he's not happy that he's not the captain. He wants a trade. That can be a lot of baggage to take on at $7.5 million. And I think that teams were kind of scared away a little bit. And I think that anybody who would have been a player as far as a trade partner for the St. Louis Blues was probably on a team that he didn't okay or wouldn't okay to go to. 
So it really, they, it kind of painted both sides into a corner. And the best case scenario for both sides was for him to play and play well. And I said this a long time ago here on the airwaves in St. Louis. I said, you know what, Vladdy, if you, if you really want to get out of St. Louis, make Doug Armstrong's job so easy that his phone doesn't stop ringing. And the only way to do that is to play so good that everybody in the league notices you. So I believe it's at a spot now where Vladdy, if, as long as he doesn't let pride get in the way of things, I think he should probably remain a St. Louis Blue. I think he can be a massive part of this group, not only this year, but next year too, which would be the last year of his deal, and certainly create a lot of options for him heading into free agency after that. And for the St. Louis Blues to use him effectively the way they have been and reap the benefits of it because this guy's tearing it up right now. Yeah, he's tearing it up, and he's a big part of, um, you know, the Blues offense. Well, what I think of of a dangerous offensive threat, like, you know, Kairou and Thomas and uh, Tarasenko, obviously O'Reilly can contribute. You know, what what would be a concern for this St. Louis Blues team? Because looking up and down the lineup, I know they got some guys who can defend. Obviously, goaltending, we know how good Bennington can be. When you look stack them up against the best teams in the league, where do you see a weakness that uh, may need being addressed? Well, I think the the biggest weakness they have, and it's not a secret, they need another top four defenseman. You know, you look at this decor, I like them. Um, I really like the top three. Pareko, Falk, and Krug have played very, very well for the Blues. Pareko, you know, it's been a little up and down and all around. He's had the back issues last year, and unfortunately they haven't found uh, an adequate partner for him. And that's where that's where I go with this need for the Blues is I think they need a top four left-handed shot defenseman. You know, I've thrown around some names down here just for fun. And, you know, if you're looking to go with guys that you can get out from under in a year, I look at Ben Sherratt and Mark Giordano. Those are guys that could fit the bill really well here in St. Louis, be good leadership partners. Heck, Jay Bowmeister was a phenomenal partner for Colton Pareko. And I see those guys, you know, not necessarily comparing to Jay Bowmeister, but certainly being able to wear those shoes. And the last one is Jacob Chikrin. But, look, everybody's going to take a run at Jacob Chikrin and the Arizona Coyotes, rightfully so, they're going to ask for everything and then more in order to acquire that player. So it comes down to, you know, what Doug Armstrong is willing to part with in order to fill that void. But if I'm looking at the Blues right now, the one place that they need to improve if they're really going to be in the conversation is in that top four D slot. What about uh, Scott Prunovich? Uh this guy's got so much upside here. Is he close to being a, a guy that uh, you count on every night in the playoffs? Well, I think he is, Kipper. The problem that that I see is that he resembles Tory Krug so much, both in size and style of play. And I just don't know if you elevate Scott Perunovich into the top four come playoff time. You know, I look at the Colorado Avalanche. I look at the Vegas Golden Knights. And some of the big dogs in the West right now, they've got big, strong, able bodies. And I just don't know if putting all of that onto a 23-year-old shoulders, who's a smaller guy in the league, who, you know, this is his first real season playing pro hockey. I just don't know if you put all your eggs in that basket yet. I think a year, maybe two from now, he slides into that spot probably pretty easily. I think he's definitely part of your power play group. I would certainly have him in my lineup every night. I just don't know if I'm putting him in in that top four spot and putting that pressure on him. And then the biggest question is like, what if it doesn't work? What if you put, you push your chips all in on that. And then you're like, damn, I wish I would have done something else. I just don't, I think this team right now is built to make a run. 
if they can get that steady left-handed shot D in the top four. You know who they could use is someone like Chris Pronger. Uh, you played with Chris <laughs> Chris Pronger. You played they sure with him, could. Right? Yeah, right? Who couldn't? That uh, dirty bastard. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's everything <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone needs. Yeah, for... <laughs> so you played with Chris, and tomorrow's uh, Chris Pronger night in St. Louis tomorrow. Uh, what are what are some of your Chris Pronger memories from uh, from those days? Oh, man. Prongs and I broke into the league at the same time together. Uh, we ended up living together when we were young bucks here mm-hmm. in St. Louis, and we had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, you know, he, he was a, an awesome teammate. Uh, you know, he competed every day, whether it was practice or the games. I mean, nobody got a free pass. Say, if you're skating by him in practice, he'd just go whacking the back of the legs or give you a cross check in the ribs and, you know, keep you honest out there. But guys didn't care about that too much because you know he was bringing it every night to the opposition. And I said this earlier today, talking to a couple of people, I, there's a few guys obviously in the history of the game that were probably as able, but Chris Pronger is one of the best first pass breakout defensemen I've ever seen. Very seldom did he ever make a pass that was either intercepted or deflected or broken up. That first pass, he could go from goal line to blue line, goal line to red line, tape to tape, and you're out of your zone just like that. And I think the way he was able to do that and simplify getting out of the defensive zone, that made him invaluable, let alone the fact that he was 6'6". He could run a power play. He could certainly kill any penalty you want. He could match up against the team's best players or their toughest players. It didn't matter what you threw at him. For me, that was the biggest difference maker is his ability to make that first pass and have it be a difference maker. When you think about all the great defense in that that organization's history, um, you know, and I include Al McGinnis, uh, who's still with the organization, uh, they've been blessed. You know, uh, Petrangelo, you know, could have easily left a big hole there, Jamie, and, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like... They've, they've really been set back by it. And folks done a nice job. I, I, I didn't see it at the time. And then, you know, Doug Armstrong gives him a pretty hefty contract. And again, you're wondering, is this a good thing? But Doug Armstrong looks pretty good on that one too. Yeah. You know, I think army took some heat originally for that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people raised their eyebrows, not at acquiring folk. I think getting him was kind of a no brainer. But it was a contract extension. You look at the money, and you're sitting there going, okay, apparently this is going to be either Petrangelo or Falk because you can't afford both of them. And obviously that, that led to be true because Alex Petrangelo, whether it was the amount of money or the terms of the deal, whatever the case, he ends up going to the Vegas Golden Knights, and Justin Falk has stepped up in a massive way for this team. He's been everything that you've needed and more. Uh, now, would Doug Armstrong like to have Alex Petrangelo? <laughs> yeah, of course he would. It'd be nice to plop him back into that top four here on your blue line. But to your point, uh, Army and his scouting staff and, and the, the management group have done an amazing job of continuing to restock the cupboards full of you know, really good defensemen. Now, the core looks different than it once did. It's a lot smaller, uh, probably a lot more agile than it once was. Uh, but you know what? They've managed to continue to play hard. And Craig Berube, Chief, the way he coaches, it's not all on the D. In fact, he wants the D. People always get this misconception with Chief that, well, it's got to be a dump it in and run guys to the boards and big, huge defensemen playing mean. No, it's completely opposite. 
He's a puck possession type guy. He loves the D to join in. In fact, he gives them crap all the time when they're not aggressive enough to be that second layer of offense or to pinch in the offensive zone. He puts a lot of the onus on the forwards to play strong defensively. So this team, the makeup of their decor now with the smaller guys, it actually makes sense. I think that Krug, Perunovic, Falk, those are guys that are able to not just play in this NHL today, but they, they, they stand out. They make great plays. They keep the offensive live. They, they certainly break the puck out really well. Now, again, could the Blues use a big, tough, left-handed shot defenseman who could log 20 to 22 minutes a night? I think it would be nice, but this team has done a great job of what they've had. Well, let the record show today that Jamie Rivers came on the Real Kipper and Bourne show and told me to go screw myself. <laughs> if hey, I know you, though, what, Kipper, that's a guaranteed way to get reinvited. What is the cutoff date that St. Louis Blue fans can forget about me and Grant Fuhr? 24? 25? Kipper, I can't forget about it. I mean, I was 19 years old. I thought we were getting a Stanley Cup that year. And, you know, you got pushed slash fell on my goalie. <laughs> you literally pulled the ring off my finger, Kipper. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so... It, I feel horrible right now. <laughs> it's all right. You buy me a beer next time I see you. You got it. Jamie Rivers, <laughs> thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate right. it. Great I insight love, on know, the St. Louis Blues. Have me on any time. I'm always around. Oh, no. 100%. It, right? Are you kidding me? I got to get you to... Tell JB and Sammy where to go on a few nights. <laughs> then, then we got a real show. Yeah. Anyways, he, he was great. Yeah, Insight he's fantastic. Was fantastic. He knows uh, knows those blues inside and out. He's the guy you want to talk about uh, St. Louis. All right. Uh, do we want to get back into, before we go to break, uh, we got Doug McLean coming up, so I'm sure he wants to weigh in on this. But uh, I, I want to go back to uh, Jack Campbell here, guys. Sammy was hot just, right when that interview started. Well, well just. First, okay. Go, I just Sammy. wanted to say that Chris Pronger's MVP year was unbelievable. You guys are talking about Pronger in 1999-2000. It's 62 points in 79 games with them, plus what he does on the defensive side of the puck. That guy was an absolute monster. Always just dreamt of him in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Doesn't Kelly Mattar have that many goals this year already? Yeah. He's just uh, he was a freak of nature. Loved him. And he just, just... beating guys in front of the net with a stick. Yeah. Step on you if he needed to. But did, cross check you. Did you see I Pronger? Loved, I love that part. He did the the big uh, was it the big conversation with Christine Simpson. He said, uh, you know, the one thing people forget about me is that I was a really good player. You know, everyone talks about how mean and nasty and defense. It's amazing. Like the guy was a, a really a talent, and uh, yeah, it gets lost with some of the nasty conversations that we have about him. Uh, nasty parts, the one that sells the tickets. Sells, sells. Um, just in terms of the urgency uh, to 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 close out a Jack Campbell contract, guys, and the reason why I have it uh, where it's north of six million is you just—it's the comparables now. And I know people are sitting there going, "He's only done it for one year," but I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be if he gets to unrestricted free agency. And if you just look at the pecking order right now, we know he, uh, at the top of its price, uh, Bobrovsky's at ten million, and Vasilevsky at nine and a half. So there, there, he's not going anywhere near that. But then there's this this lull past Mark Andre Fleury at seven million, and 
again, we don't think he's going to get there, but then you you're invited into the conversation with, you know, Gibson at 6.4, Matt Murray at 6.2, Hellebuck at 6.1. Jack can easily get himself in that conversation. Yeah, I'm looking at contract comparables and I for about where you're talking about, like I actually did Grubauer as a contract. Or he just get six by six. I mean, has it was his career all that star studded? You know, that much more that you couldn't justify that for Campbell. Bennington's a six six. You know, there's some there's some big numbers out there. Merzlikens has a, a big deal too. Like, you're right, you're right. That's that's where it is though. The pockets there, four times six, five times five, whatever it may be. Is it not? Like five. I'm sorry. Five times five, still no. Not not a chance. He's he, that that ship sailed. Five times six. Th- that's my whole point yeah. is that I think I think there's an argument between you know Matt Murray and and Jog, uh, Gibson at uh, six four and six two. So if you want to factor in the 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 discount, then can you squeeze him in? Grubauer is another one, guys. At at five point nine, that's the one where. Jack Campbell goes. I'm at least that. Okay. What, what is what did Grubauer got five nine last year? There's UFA. My, there's my floor. By the way, it was big pitcher with Christine Simpson. But sorry, carry on, Kipper. Yeah. So um, I I think six could factor in the hometown discount that he he might want to give them for for loving his situation uh, for being the fan favorite and, mm-hmm. and the comfort zone. The question is. What is even six million on an AAV due to the Leafs next year? Oh, doesn't it just matter. Holy cripples them. You have to do it. it. Doesn't matter. First it off, doesn't matter. You have to do it. The thing you're is, you let them walk. No, well, the thing is, you're not that far off a number like that. You're not that far off. So you're Kessel at one point two. You got that. Then you got the cap going up a million. Now you're at two two. Then you got his current <laughs> contract is what one point two five, one point five. Yeah, it's nothing. So, so now you're at three and a half. You just got to get two and a half more. You're not looking to find six. You're trying to find two and a half, which is doable. I mean, yes. it's hard because you're already pretty stripped down. But well, you know, Richie or Kerfoot or whoever. You're you, nothing without. I shouldn't say you're nothing without him, but. You're kind of close to nothing without him. You uh, think about how important he's been. You're going to roll, roll into next year with Mrazek and at backup X? No chance. He, Jack Campbell is the most popular player, one of the most popular players in Toronto in a really long time. That has to be factored in this. I don't care. You're No matter what happens with Jack Campbell, every Leaf fan is always going to blame the fact that he got away. It's going to be Cujo 2.0 when he went to, when he went to Detroit, when everybody was like, that's one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life. When he left, when he went away, I was like, Oh my God, how are they ever going to recover? And there's a huge faction of Leaf fans that would feel that way. If they let Jack Campbell walk, it's just a non-starter. They have to I'm figure with, out a way to get it done. I'm, I'm with Sammy here, JB. He has got them by the short ones. Ah, yeah. Big time. You know, the, they keep trying to find value on guys that haven't quite blown up. Like undervalued guys. Like, you know, you got camp, camp before he gets his value. Bunting before he really reaches his value. I don't know how long you can bank on getting that. They did it with Campbell, and now that he has his value, like, you can't find a goalie in that pocket, I don't think for sure, unless they just want to play roll, roll the dice. Just, <sighs> you know, can you, can you find someone who can give that, that to you with some hope and some promise? I would much no rather spend the money on him than be in goalie purgatory looking for a guy. You know, you just, you, you, you know who's going between the pipes every night. You know, if he's good, if he's bad, if he has a cold stretch, you're still putting him in there. He's your guy. I'm a starting goalie guy. There's nothing that scares me more as a fan 
than being in goalie purgatory with just twisted in the wind with having nobody. All they I can, found a guy. Now pay him. All I can think of is guys like Marchand and Bergeron making six point whatever million and McKinnon and, and Rask. How, how many years ago? How no, many no, years I, ago? A bajillion. Exactly. A bajillion. But my right. point is that I, I don't think it's going to be good for the superstars here if they lose Jack Campbell because they can't find two and a half. You know, if everyone had, Correct. you know, been 0.6 less, you know, it would have been a lot easier. Those numbers start to get a little bit more doable. I just think that if he goes, it will, it's going to heighten the heat on the people who are here on the big tickets. If, if he gets them to a conference final, is is $6 million a year a steal? Yes, it is. They're going to get it, bef- we got to get it done before then. Like, can they I get think- it done before? Well, what if they get it done what, in the next week? What if they get it done Give before then, Sammy? And shut and, up! What if he's terrible in playoffs? He's had one playoff. What, what if they go in the first round, Boston hang six on him a night, and all of a sudden you go, "This guy can't do it in playoffs." And you just gave him six by six. You well, you really think that's, that's right? going to happen? Do you well, really believe I, that's no, going to happen? I don't. I don't. But I don't think it's going to be much different. The contract, if you do it earlier or after the season. Right now, we're talking about this guy like he's... If he was playing for like Florida, maybe. Grand... It's Toronto, buddy. No, we're talking about him like he's something he... He's good. He's a good goalie in the league. He's the best All goalie right. in the league. Oh, my God. Is he ever not? <laughs> Look at the numbers. Yeah. The right numbers... now, he's the best goalie in the league. <laughs> right now, he has the highest save percentage in the league. Is oh, that no, the no. only measure? I can't, twist. I can't twist in the wind with no goalie. They got to just I'm, get it done. And I, I'm telling you that... Uh, it, I'm with Sam. They, they, if they're not trying behind the scenes to get this guy done now, it, it's a huge mistake because it is not getting cheaper. It's only getting more expensive. I don't think that's true. Oh, I, I, we'll let Doug McLean decide. The results matter. We'll got Doug McLean after the break. You're not going to want to miss his takes. Uh, not quite JD uh, Bunkus like, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see how animated he gets on Jack Campbell. All right, so much more, including a conversation about the NHL All Star Game. What are we gonna do with this? All after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born.